The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, welcome to another edition of Health Kick. I'm Tim Boreham. Uh, today we're talking not so much about drug development, but delivering the medicine into the body in the most efficient way. As a general rule, the faster you can get the drug directly into the bloodstream, the more useful it's going to be, uh, which I guess is why needles and injections remain so popular, despite their uh, scary reputation. Uh, they deliver sort of almost 100% of the payload. Uh, but there are alternative ways, and injections sometimes aren't suitable. Um, I've got with me the newly minted CEO of Suda Pharmaceuticals, Dr. Michael Baker, with me to talk about these things. The relevance is that Suda is reformulating common drugs into oral sprays uh, as, an, as an alternative to tablets and pills, uh, the idea being that the mouth lining is a much quicker route to the bloodstream than the stomach. Suda's got a vast portfolio of 300 patents, but it's focusing on a handful of drugs uh, these days. Uh, these include a spray version of Viagra and an insomnia drug uh, that's sold under the Stillnox brand. Uh, of course, it's recommended you don't take both these tablets at, uh, at once. Now, Michael, uh, I don't suppose you've got a coronavirus spray on the slate, have you? <laughs> Firstly, thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, no, we don't have that. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think spray vaccine is going to work. Um, but uh, in terms of what you uh, do have on the slate, now you recently took over from uh, Stephen Carter, uh, the former CEO, in, in November, so pretty recently. Uh, Stephen had run the company for about nine years, uh, since all the way since listing, I think. Uh, so, so does that imply sort of a, a key change in priorities for the companies uh, uh, with, with yourself at the help? Thanks, Tim. Uh, look, it does it does indicate some change, and I think if you look uh, across two thousand and nineteen, we did have a, a fair restructure of the board as well, with Paul Hopper coming on as executive director, and also David Phillips moving from a non-executive uh, director to an exec director. So, certainly, uh, me coming in, there is there is change of foot, but in terms of what we're focusing on now, it is the, the core program of taking the medications uh, that did exist as, as solid dose forms and converting them into oral sprays. Yes, but perhaps uh, perhaps focusing on fewer than you uh, had in the past. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, I, I think one uh, sort of criticism of the company was that it was trying to do too many things. Is, is, that, is that fair to say? Yeah, look, I think that's a fair point, Tim. So when I, I was first looking through the, the technology within the company, it was very apparent that there are a large number of products in the portfolio currently under development. And I think it's great that we have access to, to choose from those that, that uh, long list of molecules that we might, might consider working on. But certainly a focus for me coming in at the start of 2020 was what are the most interesting molecules in terms of creation of value in the short term and over the medium and long term? And where do we think we best can deliver uh, on getting those products closer to ever closer to getting into market? 
So for me, it really has been a, a process of streamlining and, and refocusing the business onto the programs that I think are core to Suda's business proposition. Yeah, okay, great. And before we sort of talk further about those programs, um, just in terms of your background, uh, it's quite interesting because you you sort of started off in scientific research or medical research, didn't you? And then uh, switched more to the commercial side. Um, you were uh, an investment manager at uh, Bioscience Managers uh, immediately prior to uh, to this position. That's correct. So I uh, I began my career as a, a biochemist, actually after completing a completing a PhD at La Trobe University, uh, and had a, had an extensive research career. Did postdoctoral research in in the at the University of Cologne in Germany, and had quite a promising research career. But uh, during my time in Germany, I was exposed to a, a flourishing pharmaceutical and biotechnology sector, and so armed with that knowledge, I came back to Australia uh, and reached out to some of my contacts in the in the biotechnology space in addition to completing an MBA and was fortunate enough to be recruited to a small biotechnology company as part of the senior leadership group to take drug peptides from the discovery phase into the clinic. And we were successful in doing that within, for one of the products within about three years. So it was a big, uh, a big learning curve for the company. It was, it was the first time they'd done that, uh, but certainly great, uh, great experience for myself uh, in going through that process. And then, as I was, uh, as the those products were getting closer to clinic, I did decide that I'd be more interested in uh, investing into to a range of healthcare companies, uh, and so decided to join uh, Bioscience Managers. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, there was um, part of the investment team, and of course, that was a, again another great learning experience in looking through a lot of different technologies, Australia wide, but also internationally, uh, to see what you know what we might choose to invest in. Uh, in addition to then assisting the portfolio companies that we had in terms of their operational strategies, uh, as well as their capital raising strategies. So again, great learning and uh, positioned me very well to come into a company like Suda where the technology's uh, in place, but it's really how do we go about focusing and, and executing on the programs that we're, we're currently, we currently have underway. Yeah. And you mentioned focus. So uh, what are you focused on? You've got a platform, haven't you? So it's sort of a drug platform called called Oromist. And it's a hydrotype or hydrotope? Hydrotrope. 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 Perhaps you, uh, perhaps you could uh, sort of briefly explain that technology. And then, uh, and then we'll talk about the uh, specific uh, drugs you're reformulating. So stepping back in a really simple way, Suda takes the solid dose forms and converts them into oral sprays. And that, that sounds very straightforward, um, but it does involve complicated chemistry in order for that to happen. So there's four parameters that we know that we'll need to, to be able to achieve our goals, and that includes solubility. So we need to be able to get a molecule uh, into a solution, and that's not just by grinding it up and then putting it, you know, throwing some water on it. It's really about finding the right chemicals that support the solubility of that particular product. Then in addition to that, we need the product to be stable in that formulation. So drug products need to be uh, to display robust uh, stability over time. But then the important, another important part is we need to, to be able to have those drugs in a, a format that they, they can permeate the, the lining of the cheeks or under the tongue so that they can actually fulfill their role of getting into the bloodstream. And the, the last parameter is actually uh, often overlooked, it's palatability. So the, these drugs also need to be in a format that's, uh, that tastes good so that patients are willing to, to continue to use them over time. And so then you put all those things together and then the challenge of having those products converted into an oral spray is, is no mean feat. 
And again, it's a really uh, core, core aspect of Suda and, and one of our core strengths is the ability to be able to do that. Yeah, I guess uh, like it sounds easy, but if it if it really was easy, uh, someone else probably would have done it before. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think I just just to talk to that quickly, Tim. We we got underway with a deal with Sanofi at the end of 2019, and that speaks to that point exactly. That Sanofi is a billion dollar company. Uh, they they came to Suda, had a look through our technology, what we're capable of delivering on, and so we know that if it was if it was that straightforward uh, for a company to to just pick up and do what we're doing. You know, a company like Sanofi that's more than uh, equipped to be able to consider doing something like that chooses to work with the experts in the space, which is Suda. Yeah, okay. And in terms of uh, so, so, so in terms of Sanofi, um, they're um, aligned with you uh, for specific uh, specific drug formulations. So at this stage, what we're doing is working with them for a single single product of theirs. Unfortunately, because of the uh, the commercial sensitivities of those products and not, not wanting Sanofi not wanting the competition to be alerted to what they're doing. We can't disclose the product, uh, but certainly it's, it'll be an early feasibility stage study where we, we look to see if our uh, RMS platform is capable of converting it into an oral spray. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the idea then being if that is possible, then we can talk about how we further work together to continue the development pathway for those products. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are there milestone uh, arrangements in place with that with that deal? Not at this stage, but once we again, once we complete the feasibility study, we can talk about how we continue to drive the product or project moving forward. Sure. Sure. Okay. And if you've got a lead product as such, would it be uh, a Zolpamist, uh, which is the spray for uh, insomnia? Correct. Correct. So Zolpamist is our most advanced project in terms of stage. So Zolpamist is actually a, it's approved in the USA already and it's available commercially. Uh, the company that has the licenses to, the license to the technology in the US and Canada is A2 Biosciences. Okay. Suda has the license to the rest of the world. So the product is currently undergoing submission through the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia. And we've already got license and supply agreements with Teva covering some South American countries as well as uh, Mitsubishi covering some ASEAN countries. So it is the closest to market uh, for, for Suda. Uh, and certainly the plan for 2020 is to continue to create new partnerships and licenses and supply agreements with other other companies in other territories so that we're rolling out Zolpamis globally. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, but in terms of approval, you would hope to get local, you know, that is TGA approval, and presumably perhaps a European approval, and then you've sort of pretty much covered the world? Ideally, yeah. And so, again, just stepping back to Teva for, for uh, South America, for Brazil, Chile, Mexico, for example, they will also need to take it through their regulatory bodies. But exactly your point, the, the plan is to create new partnerships for uh, territories such as Europe, uh, more across Asia as well. So it's, again, just trying to get that product rolled out globally. Yeah, okay, okay. So um, Zolfamist is likely to be uh, first off the rank, approval-wise and uh, commercialisation-wise. What sort of a market are you looking at? You know, is it, is it sort of a billion-dollar market or a, or a multi-billion-dollar market? The insomnia market itself by 2026 will be about $4 billion. So we know we won't get the entire market because that's made up of assist devices as well. But Certainly, certainly, it's a it is a large market, uh, and I won't go into the the, the details of what Suda is expecting to to generate from that market. But suffice to say, it is it is a multi billion dollar market. 
Right, okay, okay. And what is the drug you're actually uh, reformulating? The drug itself is zolpidem tartrate, uh, and okay. it is, as you pointed out, it's available in the US as, and, and other territories worldwide as Ambien, uh, but also more commonly known in, Aust- in Australia as Stillnox. Oh, Stillnox, yes, 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 of course, of course. Now, the other uh, interesting one is malaria, because the company's got a, a malaria spray called Artemist, um, but the TGA, for reasons of its own, uh, knocked back the application. The company appealed, and then, and then, uh, then it uh, kind of fell on deaf ears. So, so does Artemist uh, have, have a future? Yeah, it's again, it was a disappointing outcome, uh, the initial decision in May 2019 and then the final decision in November 2019. And just, just to point out, though, that that product did, uh, did meet the individual sections of the TGA in terms of safety, efficacy and quality, and it was uh, when it went to the Advisory Committee on Medicines, it was actually the potential for misuse and then the, the likelihood that it might increase resistance uh, across malaria endemic countries were the reasons that it was declined. So we can't, I can't comment too much more on where we're at in making a decision because a decision has not yet been made, but we're taking legal and regulatory counsel on how, what are the best ways to move forward with the Artemis program. Right, okay. okay. So, so it's not dead in the water or anything like that? At this stage, we, we won't be committing research dollars to the program, but again, it's just taking legal and regulatory guidance on how best to proceed. Sure, sure. It'd be unfortunate, wouldn't it, from a philanthropic aspect if it doesn't get up because uh, malaria is still a major killer, isn't it, uh, particularly in the third world? Yeah, it is, particularly, you're right, across the third world. So I think that's the that's the key here. It's you know, is there is there philanthropic value still in this program? Uh, and again, so we'll continue to have discussions with pharmaceutical companies across our entire platform. Uh, but certainly, when we speak to them, understanding where they sit in terms of Artemis, and again, getting that legal and regulatory advice on how we can best move forward will be important steps to take when we have those discussions. And on another front, uh, you're interested in in uh, medical cannabis. That is uh, a spray delivery. Uh, form for various applications. Um, you're working with a, with a uh, another ASX listed company, Zulira Therapeutics, which which is a, a medical cannabis uh, stock. Uh, how's that progressing, uh, Michael? Yeah, it's going well. So again, we can't t- say too much uh, until we've got the, uh, the the results are announced. But working well so far, and I find that a particularly exciting area. So we've also got another another partnership with Cant Pharma. In the medical grade cannabis space, but looking at the medical grade uh, medical grade cannabis space, it is an interesting area and a great way for companies to potentially differentiate is the ability to have their medications in the form of an oral spray. So we do see that as a as an exciting area. And going back to the size of the medical grade cannabis market, it is quite large. Again, that'll be a multi billion dollar market. Uh, and so working with groups like Zalira uh, to enable them to to differentiate in that space is, is very exciting and a big focus for Suda. Yeah, just sort of a broad question, Michael, sort of stepping back um, as an investment manager and uh, a person involved on the scientific side uh, uh, over a long time, um, what, what have you sort of learned about, you know, what works and, and, and what doesn't uh, for, for an Australian biotech? We, we've had some great successes over the past year. Um, a few, uh, a few setbacks as well, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. So for me, looking uh, across 2019, we had some big wins just across the medtech and biotech sector, you know, Vita, Medical, uh, Clinuvel. And so I think Opthay was another good one. So I think yes. for me, the, the key is a relentless focus on planning out what are the milestones uh, and 
for a lot of, I think for all of those companies, actually, it was really the FDA approval, uh, good good clinical data for, for Optheia that really drives the increase in value and confidence in those in those particular companies. And so I think that's the, for me, the key is really just making sure you're well capitalized. So raising money ahead of time, being very clear on the milestones that you're trying to hit, and then just having that relentless focus to, to deliver on executing on those milestones. And you need to just sort of plug away, don't you? Because uh, inevitably the FDA approval, uh, it always comes a lot later than uh, than when you think. And uh, it often comes uh, after the market's sort of kind of given up on the company. So uh, I guess you've got to be well-resourced enough to uh, to last the distance. And very resilient, I think, as well. That's the another important aspect. But you're right, I think for... I'm not sure the exact date when uh, the technology for Avita Medical was founded, but it was you know, certainly some some time before the uh, they managed to get FDA approval. But again, having that catalyst uh, post the approval, uh, getting the product out into commercialization, you can see the effects that that has on on the valuation of the company. Speaking of uh, valuations, Sud has had a bit of a, a rough trot uh, uh, share price wise. What are sort of the uh, some of the sort of upcoming uh, possible catalysts or, or, or likely events for a um, company re-rating? Yeah, so I think we, we do have a very big 2020 uh, coming up, which is good. Uh, we're, as I said, for Zolpimus, we're going to continue to create new partnerships worldwide uh, and hopefully we're getting more deals across the line throughout 2020. So in addition to the other deals that we've got uh, in the pipeline for Zolpimus, we've also got the the TGA readout that we're expecting uh, to hear in 2020. Uh, for our Negrolite program, we are developing that internally. So we do expect some reformulation news to get that into an oral spray throughout the year. Again, just shows that we're getting that project closer towards phase one clinical trials. So they're the major catalysts. I think other deals for our other technologies will also be big drivers for, for the share price in 2020. Okay. And the Negrolide program, that, that's a cancer program, isn't it? Correct, correct. And this is this is a program I'm particularly excited about. So it's it's a drug that was approved quite some time ago in 97 US, 2005 in the EU. And it was for the treatment of patients that had increased platelet levels uh, and a condition called essential thrombocythemia. Uh, in these cases, that can lead to clotting disorders. And so anegrolide was developed to, to lower blood platelet levels. And very importantly, recent research has shown that in patients that have particular types of solid tumours, they also have increased uh, blood platelet counts. And when those two situations occur, patients have a worse uh, worse outcomes in terms of their survival. So the hypothesis for Suda is that we, if we're able to reduce platelet levels in the background of cancer, we'll also be able to improve the survival of those cancer patients. And just stepping again a, a, one step further, Further research has shown that platelets uh, play a very proactive role in facilitating uh, cancer spread, cancer growth, creation of the blood supply around the cancer cells. Uh, and so it's, again, it's it's a very active process and the cancer cells actually stimulate the creation of more, more platelets. So the plan for Suda is to create the oral spray and in doing so, reduce the number of platelets and improve cancer patient survival. Yeah. Is it common now for a cancer drug to be delivered orally? I think the answer is no. No, no, not that I'm aware of at least. And I'll probably step, just to explain why we think it's so important to get a negrolite in the form of an oral spray, if and when it's taken as a solid dose pill, what actually happens is in the liver, in first pass, first pass metabolism, it gets converted into a cardiotoxic intermediate. 
So that's going to be damaging and particularly unwanted in, in cancer patients who already have an immunosuppressed state. So by having an oral spray uh, and allowing the drug to cross straight across the oral mucosa, so the, the lining of the cheek, and get into the bloodstream, we expect that we'll bypass the creation of that cardiotoxic intermediate. And so that we'll have the, the product going straight into the bloodstream, lowering platelets, and then improving survival for cancer patients in a much safer way. Okay, terrific. All right, uh, Michael, we'll look great to talk to you. Um, you mightn't have the coronavirus uh, cure, but you're working <laughs> on cancer and, and a lot of other things. Um, now, now, the company's only worth, uh, I think, about $8 million market cap. So um, I guess the only way is uh, is up. That's right. <laughs> so uh, thanks for uh, talking, Michael, and uh, good luck. No, thanks very much, Tim. It's a pleasure chatting with you. Appreciate it.